Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to church. Thankful that you're watching. My name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here. We're in a somewhat of a new series um, called Stories, and really we're just we're just tackling and looking at, and, and more than looking or tackling, actually, we're just talking and reminiscing and sharing the beautiful testimonies and stories of our lives. And, and, and different preachers are gonna share from their life or maybe things that have happened. Uh, man, I, I love, Pastor Adam always says this. He always, he always says to me, there's just nothing quite as nice, there's nothing as good as a really great God story. I love how he phrases that, he'll always say that. There's nothing quite as good as a really great God story. Uh, we're encouraged by stories, by testimony of God moving in people's lives. And so we want to just bring to you stories. I know Andy has some fantastic stories he's going to share with you. Um, I know Adam, et cetera, the team. I myself was reflecting. I'm like, now what could I share? What's, what's God been doing in my life? What have I seen? And I can think of baptisms and dedications and even just like weddings I went to and marriage counseling that was beautiful and, and just phone calls I had with people of like, hour-long calls with people I had never met before because they just wanted to hear the gospel or be encouraged or prayed for. So a lot of cool stories, but I was trying to think something that was more, I just would say, um, personal that I could really share. Something that like, what has God changed in me? What has been a dramatic like alter in my life? Like, like alteration, I mean, like a change in my life. What, is, what has God done that's just, you know, miracle, impacting, transformative story that I could share with our church. And I gotta tell you, the, the thing that God has, I think, worked on or worked in me, worked on in me for the last few years, honestly, even, even dating back before COVID, my biggest story to share didn't feel overtly exciting. It, it kind of felt like it wasn't the big miracle testimony. It was more about a long straightforward obedience in something that he kept calling me to and kept kind of like pushing me and itching me towards. And, and so for me, I found myself sensing like I should preach on this, but it didn't feel that exciting. It didn't feel like that God story, like miracle, like a healing moment. It felt a little bit more like this slow, constantly awakening to, if I, could, if I can be so vague. And I'll get to what I'm trying to say. You know, for the last few years, I've really felt God has been asking me to fast. And I don't just mean like once in a while, I have I, I felt this, this desire in my own life, but also God's kind of push on me to, to fast as a regular discipline, as, as, as steady as I could in, in the times that I could remember to, um, not just once for one specific thing, but often, like making it an important thing in my life as much as reading and praying and, and, and making it an avid aspect of my Christian walk. And so let me be real here. I wasn't really asking for this. Like I wasn't like, Lord, I, I, you know, I want to be closer to you. So let's, let's work on the disciplines. Like it wasn't, that wasn't the approach that this took. It kind of dropped on me a few years ago. And I wasn't like, oh yeah, Lord, please let me not eat. Like if there is one rule, one value that you know, that people probably know about the bonnets, me, Trina, my beautiful Georgia, my beautiful Georgia, my son, Bo, like it's that we eat ice cream. Like we like to eat. I like food, you know, like that's, that's who I am. I really do. I like, we eat ice cream a lot. I got some pictures here that date back a long time ago. Like we're in the story. So some of these are stories like 
Like, I hope and pray that you find someone in your life that looks at you like the way Georgia looks at that ice cream. You know, like there's something special about that. We did family photos, like beautiful, nice family photos for Christmas. Rachel Wilson, literally our photographer, Rachel Wilson, who, who, who was like, yeah, you know what we should do? You guys love ice cream. We should go get ice cream and take photos. It was her idea because she knew it so much about us. And this is Trina and Georgia and, and Bo. Well, this is like, this was Friday. Like this was not that long ago. Pretty sure this was two days ago. Like we eat ice cream. George, look at that face. Just constantly mowing. Like if someone right now was to hand me a waffle cone with moose tracks and like maple walnut. Yeah, whatever. I love maple walnut. I'm a dad. Leave me alone. I would stop this recording. I would tell everyone in this room, hold on, take five so that I could eat the ice cream cone I like to eat. Food is nummy. It's a gift from God to be enjoyed, to be like, Lord, thank you so much for ice cream. You are a good God and gracious to us. Like, man, I love it. And so I got to save food for me. Like, I wasn't looking to fast food. Like, how about I fast something else? How about I guess just get off social media? What if I do something different? But again, after the first kind of COVID summer, we had where it was a lot more laid back and, and we had some time to see people and eat out. I was on that see it diet. You ever heard of that? I see it and I eat it, you know? Like that was kind of, that was where I was at. And I was redirected and reminded of what God had called me to do kind of a year or so before that, leading into COVID actually, directed toward fasting. And I, I just want to say the Christian practice of fasting, because yeah, God was asking me, directing me, and I'm going to share a bunch of stories why I believe he was, to a deeper reliance and dependence on the Holy Spirit, to feast on God, to fast from something, to feast on the Lord. That was the call and, and the push that I was feeling. And so my goal today is really to encourage you, is to hopefully teach a little bit about fasting, but also to share some God stories about what happens when we fast, when God's people fast, to hopefully encourage and inspire you. I want to preamble really quick before we get into the text. Um, I'm completely aware that uh, there is a culture in a world of, of, there's like diet, dieting restrictions and physical aspects. There's like intermittent fasting. Like the word fasting maybe 40 years ago was kind of religious. And now it's taken on a whole new, almost phraseology, if that's a word, regarding our body and physical nature. And, and listen, I'm aware of all that. This has nothing to do with the physical aspects of fasting. I'm not talking about restrictive dieting. This isn't intermittent fasting. I'm not talking about your physical health. I'm talking about a spiritual practice on relying on Jesus. I'm also aware of just the realness of eating disorders. Now, I, I've seen it happen a little bit in youth ministry, but I'm not any sort of professional. I was reading some stats this week that were heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching about how, I believe it was girls and boys ages 10 to 14, up to 30% of girls ages 10 to 14 are already practicing heavy diets to lose weight. And guys, it was up to like 22%, up like as far up as. And man, I just gotta say, if, if you have an unhealthy relationship with food, if body image and insecurity and some of those things have caused you to, to restrict your diet strictly for that own fact. I'm not saying that this won't be applicable to you, but I just want to encourage you to talk to someone about that, to reach out, to find a pastor or a mentor or see a professional. I'm not a professional in that stuff. And so I'm not trying to 
you know, hurt anyone or bring up something that's hard, I'm talking about the spiritual practice of fasting. And I do think there's practical ways that we can talk about that. So see someone and talk to someone. Our heart is for you. We want to pray with you. We want to help anyone and everyone in this place. And I just know that there's some, there's some tension there. And I want to be aware of that and know that I love you. And I was thinking about people who may be struggling with some of these areas. I was praying for you this week that you would know we love you and we care for you and we're here for you. What is fasting? Uh, when you go, it's really just to go without food for a period of time for spiritual purposes. Um, one author I read this week says, it's to starve your flesh and to feed your spirit, which I really liked. I really liked that idea. You set out to give up one thing and, and it's to fill yourself with something else. Um, Gary Rohrmeyer wrote a really good book on it. He said, fasting is more about replacing than it is about abstaining. Replacing normal activities with focused times of prayer and feeding on the word of God, which is just a beautiful way of saying it. Now, I'm specifically talking about food because that's mostly what we see biblically. Um, there's kind of a difference. Maybe you say I'm fasting from social media. Really, that, the terminology would be more like abstaining. But again, it's all semantics. And I just want to tell you that's specifically why I'm talking about food because that's part of the story of my life and what God has been teaching me. Fasting is all over your Bible. If you read it, you'll see in the Old Testament, New Testament, it's often related to fasting so that you'll be able to have more money to give to the poor. It's linked with prayer, repentance. It's linked with consecration, which we don't do anymore because Jesus has consecrated us. So a lot of beautiful ways about fasting. Almost every major player, if you will, um, man and woman alike, almost every single one of them fasted. We saw this. This is a common practice. Even in the early church fathers, we saw this. Uh, Jews typically fasted Mondays and Wednesdays. And so then uh, along came other people and they're like, we don't want to look like them. So they fasted Tuesdays and Fridays or, or whatever it may be. And so John Wesley talked a lot about this. And, and many theologians for a long time have mentioned this. I say all that to say for Christians, it's not necessarily a commandment. It's not necessarily this expectation you have to do because that would be works-based relationship, which we don't have with Jesus. But there is an understanding that it will benefit you greatly. So again, what is fasting? Really to just go without food for a period of time to greater lean on, rely on Jesus. This is what Jesus actually said about fasting. When he taught about it, when he was asked about it, he, he, he was really talked about three things, generosity, prayer, and he talked a lot about fasting. This is what he says in Matthew 6, verses 16. When you fast, first three words, you'll see it right here. When you fast. I think this is an important thing to realize. So again, is he saying you have to fast? That's not what he said. He's saying all my believers will always fast. That's not what he said. But he is talking about, hey, listen, as a practice specifically now, that he saw the Pharisees and the Jews do it a lot. And so he's talking to everyone saying, listen, as your practice, when you do this, and so there's an understanding that believers will have this in their relationship with him. When you fast, don't make yourselves look sad like the hypocrites. They put a look of suffering on their faces so that people will see they're fasting. The truth is, that's all the reward they will get. So interesting, he links that together. Verse 17, so when you fast, again, he says it twice there. Matthew 6, verse 17. When you fast, wash your face and make yourself look nice. Now, I don't have the time to get into the whole Sermon on the Mount, everything he was saying there, but I'm just trying to point out, again, Jesus is specifically saying, when this happens, when this is a part of your relationship with me, when you act on this. Again, he's later asked about this um, in, in Matthew 9, because what's happening is, is his disciples aren't fasting while John's are, John the Baptist. Like, this is, and so Pharisees, again, they come to try and question him and say, hey, why do we see a discrepancy between the different followers of John the Baptist and you? When you say that, you know, they will follow you. Like, what's going on here? We don't quite understand that. And again, he says this. 
Then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? So there's the question. He answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. Jesus is laying something out for us that he laid out for me too, that there are seasons to feast and there are seasons to fast. And yet fasting, when done in the Christian practice, is still feasting. I love that. And we'll definitely hit that more. But he speaks to the appropriate times of fasting and feasting. Jesus was with them right now. He's saying, listen, the Son of God is here. This is not a time to mourn and to fast. This is a time to celebrate. This is a time to glean and learn. But there will be times when they fast. Don't you worry. There will be moments. And so I want to share why we fast, when we fast. And I'm going to be quite personal with these. I think we could go into deep detail of all the biblical ways and, 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 and get into that. But again, this is a series on, a series, excuse me, on stories. And I want to share with you how fasting, which sounds like this boring spiritual discipline that the pastor wants to preach about because he has to, actually was a transformative practice that has completely changed the last few years of my life. And I want to share it with you, and I hope it encourages you and inspires you. So why fasting? Why me? Why this? Why now? Firstly, I believe that God wanted to reset my initial responses to life, to the things that happen in life, to what comes in life. Friends, what is your first response to trouble, to, to sin, to, to anger, to pain? What is your first response to sorrow, to the loss of someone, to, I don't know, someone cheats and takes something from you, Someone hurts you with their words, says something about you that's not true. What is your first response to the unknown? Could be future, where to live, job, could be next decision, next step. What is our response like? And this is a tension that we have to actually talk about a bit. Because although we're Christians, we also, I think, feel very capable in our own strength and ability, right? And so for me, I know when I'm faced with trauma or, or sorrow or hardship or, or, or whatever it may be, may be for me, it's I gotta work, 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 day, night, figure this out. Uh, gotta do whatever I can. I gotta solve this, solve that. And if that doesn't work, by the way, sometimes it does. Sometimes we actually are able to figure things out on our own strength. And I think it only increases our own dependence on ourself. Something to think about. But when it doesn't, which for me is often the case, <clears throat> I make emotionally charged decisions. And honestly, I begin to not care, not try and sulk. The other night we were, I had this awesome, we had this fun GT Young Adults barbecue at Willows. And we had these airheads. I should have brought one on stage, because I still got some. I don't know if you remember airheads. They're like candy taffy. It's, it kind of tastes like sugar and cardboard, kind of put into one. It's delicious. I remember going to the corner store. I just sounded so old when I said that. I remember going down to the grocery store and I would get them for 50 cents and it was awesome airheads and I'd get like two or three and I'd bring some for my friends or my teachers and try and win them over because my grades weren't that good. And I would, I would eat these all the time. And so I was like, oh, remember airheads? And I had some of these younger young adults be like, yeah, don't ever, I never had them. And they're actually kind of gross. And so we were debating whether airheads were good or not. And one guy picked one up and he started to eat. I'm like, yeah, Dave, David Lear, beautiful soul. Hope he's okay that I've called him out. I'm like, Dave, you love airheads, right? Aren't these so good? And he looks back at me and he says, ah, to be honest, this is an emotional decision right now. I'm making an emotional eating decision. And I, again, he's, you know, being facetious and he's kind of making a joke, but 
But realistically, he's making a great point. We make emotional decisions all the time, sometimes regarding food and sometimes not. How often, when we are in trouble, do we just go to the liquor store and grab that other bottle of wine? How often, when sorrow comes, do your friends be like, you know what, I'm gonna bring you some food. Can I make you something? I'm gonna bake you everything we got in the kitchen. When in fact, the last thing we wanna do in times of loss is eat. How often during hurt or a breakup, is it like I'm coming over with a tub of Ben and Jerry's, somebody say amen for ice cream, the tonight dough, there's nothing better. I have to be honest, food, this is a point I want you to hear this, food can very quickly become a source of peace and safety, which is what your savior is supposed to be. We just did a series on all of these things. He is your security. He is your forgiver. He is your healer. He is your peace. We always say this at church. Peace is a person, not a perspective. His name is Jesus. But food can become this source of peace and safety or even, may I say, a drug to temporarily numb our situation. The lack of control I know I felt in this past season in virtually every aspect of my life, the inability to choose what to do, what does my work day look like today? I don't know. We're just trying to, to, to figure this whole thing out to, I don't know, to conduct work, to talk to people, to make sure they could conduct work. Uh, how, is, how are my kids doing being at home and not in daycare for months on end? I think of even just choosing what to eat, where to go, how to do life. The inability to control that, to choose, and in moments of stress, I know for me, I just wanted to numb that feeling. Um, me, me and Trina, a while back, had kind of a major stressor take place in our life. Um, we were talking about it recently, and I, we both agreed this. It was for sure the most difficult and the hardest thing that we faced as a couple. Um, we're celebrating 10 years in October, known her since I was 15, and uh, I did not see it coming. It did not, she did not see it coming. It drastically hurt us financially, emotionally set us back. Um, it, was, it was tears and nights of like, honest, con just concern, safety concern. Like every response that I could think of to this specific incident in our life was a Band-Aid, small, quick fix, like in my own strength situation. And every time, every time it came up in me, I wanted to fix it in my, own, in my own ability. And I really felt God finally say, listen, you gotta fast one meal a week and you gotta bring this concern to me. And I was like, why don't I just bring my concern to you? And he's saying, you're not understanding. Your dependence on yourself, your response is often to fix something or to numb it. I need you to come to the one thing. Like he's saying this to me. You gotta come to the person who can fix it. You know what's so interesting? I've been doing this for a long time now because this has been a, a year or so. Breakthrough has not come in the way I thought it would. And by the way, some, some weeks I don't do it well. I'm not saying I'm nailing this. Please don't hear that. Breakthrough has not come in this situation in the way that I would hope it would. I will say this, that I sleep absolutely fine every night, that the peace of God, I believe, is resting over our marriage and in our house that, that my reactions have changed, that my responses have changed, that again, my sleep has gotten better. God was reordering, resetting my reliance and dependence and showing me there needs to be a new response plan. So my question to you is, what is your first response? Maybe God needs to quite literally reset the way we respond to things. He needs to rework that. You know, 
Ezra in the Bible, he was concerned about, he had all these goods and, and, and money. And so people were like, you know, we should send some guards with you so, you so people don't take anything from you. And he said, no, no, that would be my human response. Let's, let's go to God first. And so he stopped and fasted with his men for a day for safe passage. David, in his moment of sorrow, crying out to God saying, save my son, could have gotten any physician he wanted, could have gone to any doctor, any anything at all. And he said, no, I'm going to fast and pray and wait on the Lord. Daniel, being completely consumed by the Babylonians, like all the things he could have did, what he did, he fasted and he prayed. He restricted things away so he knew he could focus on Jesus. Their response was God first, him in this, dependence on him. And I wanna be a guy, I wanna be a Christian, I wanna be a pastor, I wanna be a dad, I wanna be a husband. I just wanna be a person who responds first with Jesus in mind. And if fasting is gonna help me do that, then I wanna do that. The second reason and just thoughts and stories on why fasting for me in the last while, why God has leaned in, like pushed this on me, is to create more influential fuel for purposeful prayer. Man, that's a mouthful. Wow, I, I wrote that and it, it comes out a little more, I'm not trying to you know, write Twitter things. I'm just, it's the truth. <laughs> to create more intentional fuel, fuel for purposeful prayer. Um, a, a few years back at youth, um, we had some transition happen. And so we had some people out and some new people coming in. And in the moment of, of space, I went back to youth ministry. And I was excited to do it. The, the students that were graduating were actually the students that I started with in grade five. And now this group had come to grade 12. And so I was very excited to finish their year with them. And, and I believe that God asked me again, this is a few years back now, to pray. I believe the word he put on me was, I need you to pray more than put on a program. I need you to pray more than, more time needs to go into prayer than time going into the program. And so I personally did. I, I started fasting kind of like late Wednesday night after dinner. I would try not to have too big of a meal. I wouldn't snack. And then I would fast all day until youth. And this was just for a, a couple months. This was just one day we put, put aside. This is, this is what God, I felt, asked, was asking me to do because he was asking me to do this, to set up a personal reminder and call me to more purposeful prayer. And here's the thing. I wanted to hunger for breakthrough in students, in their lives, more than I wanted to hunger for myself. And so what I'm saying is my hunger for breakthrough was more important than my hunger for foo-foo, like, like, like for caramel chicken. Come on, somebody. Like my hunger had to be for something greater than just appeasing my stomach. And we just talked about breakthrough. It doesn't always happen that way. Again, that, that'd be workspace. I fast, you give. That's not how it works. But I felt God specifically say, be more intentional in your prayer life. And fasting is a great way to become more intentional in prayer. It would literally happen this way. I'd wake up and I would be hungry. And I'd be like, man, I'm so hungry. What should I do? Oh, I remember I'm fasting, I gotta pray. And then that would happen 237 times. Like it, it felt like all day long, but it continued to draw me to Jesus, to draw me to prayer, to pray for students by name, to pray for students' parents by name. It called me into action. My hunger for breakthrough had to be more important than my hunger for anything else. Practically speaking, it just that's how it went down. And I was so focused on what God was calling me to do. I was so pressed into his presence. And I had to say, as, as a testimony to Jesus and to nothing else, every night as we closed that year off, something incredible happened. 
like kids we hadn't seen in years coming back to youth, salvations that we didn't know were gonna happen, like leaders coming to me and saying, I've never had such a great small group night. Nothing I'm involved in, zero program that I'm a part of, simply God moving in this beautiful climax at Nanus Bay Camp, sold out numbers, kids getting baptized, life change, seriously, salvations from kids being invited to camp, ministry like I hadn't seen in years. Some of your kids who are watching, you know this, were dramatically changed, and I think it's because there's more intentional beside that purposeful, prayer. And God asks us to do this all the time throughout the Bible. Purpose-filled, directed, driven prayer to see life change. And I believe it started with fasting. Lastly, my kind of final thought, my point, which I'm, uh, which is totally from a, a book or sermon I was re- reading, listening to. And again, I, I think, I believe it's John Mark Comer who said this. It's, it's fasting is about t- denying myself, my flesh, if you will, and feasting on the spirit. And that was really what God was calling me to do, to deny my flesh and to feast on the spirit. Richard Foster wrote an incredible book on spiritual disciplines, and he says this about fasting. Fasting reminds us that we are sustained by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. Food does not sustain us, he says. God sustains us. In Christ, all things are held together. He's quoting Colossians 1.17. Therefore, in experiences of fasting, we are not so much abstaining from food, we are feasting on the words of God. Fasting is feasting. Come on, somebody, that's, that's a good word. And I think it's super important that somebody hears this right now. Fasting isn't just saying goodbye and being sorrowful. And being like, well, this sucks. Hope you're happy, God. You look at me now, do I win your approval? That's not what it's about. It's feasting on something different. It's denying the flesh because our flesh has its own desires and feasting on what is accurate, what is right. I think it's so important to say this, and I heard this in a a commentary this week that I thought was brilliant. The garden temptation with Adam and Eve had this temptation around food. Jesus' temptation in the desert, in his 40-day fast before he goes into his entire ministry, was based around food, bread. That is not a coincidence. There is clearly an indulgence here that, that has long been in our, in our history and culture and people, not just in today. It's not coincidence. Our flesh or the, our, our sarks or sarkos, the Greek word, that, that specifically Paul uses in Galatians 5 is this kind of human nature, or you will, like your, your animal desire, some commentaries I said, or I read said, um, your desire independent from faith, that's actually the Greek word, independent from faith, independent from dependence on God, your choices, your will to chase after. Your body craves these things, desires it. It's, it's the truth. And fasting helps us stay true to the kingdom call, which is very different. In this culture right now, where we are, uh, like culture zigs and Christianity zigs, these are not always, they don't come together. Like often the kingdom is actually opposing what our culture is saying, and we need to see that. This movement that we see right now in culture for sensuality and pleasure as indulgence, to do what feels good, to eat whatever, whenever, to just, as your body aches, feed it. If you want it, go get it. If, if, you, if your body, your choice, all the time, always. Like these sort of statements are contrary to what the Bible is teaching. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. Denying yourself. Like, 
This is, I didn't give this to the media team, but it's Galatians 5.17 where Paul's literally saying, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. Go read it, like open Galatians 5, 17 or 18. The flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another. They are in conflict, I believe he says, with each other. You are not to do, like don't do whatever you wanna do. It won't be helpful. It's not just about a, a demand saying you shouldn't. It's about saying this actually won't help you. God is calling you to something greater. So when you starve it, you take control. You hone in on the Holy Spirit. You listen to his voice. He begins to direct you. He begins to shape you. Friends, this last lockdown we had, kind of like November to March or April, May, whatever it was, for me personally was brutal just brutal. We just launched Young Adults. We're really excited about some traction and things just came like crashing down. And I I don't know, for me personally, I just felt that heaviness. And Trina would speak to it. I couldn't shake it. I I am confident that God asked me to start fasting and rely more on him almost almost an entire year before COVID hit. So when those moments hit in my life, I started to rely on something other than myself because I truly believe without a reliance on him, without a de- more of a dependence on him, recognizing it's literally in lockdown. It was only by his strength that I felt the, the drive to get up, just try again, to go at it again, to figure this whole thing out. I'm not even sure I'd be here, I don't know. I just, I, I don't wanna put words to it because I'm not sure that's, that'd be fair and accurate, but I just, it was just a heaviness I couldn't shake. But God called me to say, listen, let's make your body obedient Let's make your body not an enemy, but an ally. And make it obedient to Christ. Another quote from John Mark Comer, I believe it was. You are making your body not an enemy, but an ally. And all of it is becoming more obedient to Christ. That's what the Bible's saying. That's what he's saying. Listen, there's some things that are so heavy, so big, so dark, you won't be able to shake it. Matthew 9, 29, he literally says this. His disciples couldn't shake this demon from someone. And this person comes, I believe it's their son. And he says, he said to them, this kind, this kind cannot come out except by prayer and fasting. Meaning there are things in this world that are so heavy, so crazy, so wild, so dark that we need to tap into the greater spiritual discipline that God has for us because it's only by his spirit. The disciples could not release this demon from this person. Jesus had to do it. And he's saying there's a holiness, a longevity, a faithfulness that has to come. Things are going to come at you, friends. I'm closing now. Things are coming at you. It's so hard. Surprise things. Pandemics. No one saw this coming. There's a lot in that verse that we can unpack. But in reality, In our life, in today's culture and climate, without a complete reliance and practice in the way of Jesus and dependence on Him, there are walls we simply cannot tear down in our own strength. You know this, I know this. So maybe fasting feels like a a far off thing. You're You're new to Christ, you're a new believer. Maybe you're not a believer and you're watching and all I've really done is got you real hungry for some ice cream. Maybe the thought for you is this, what are you relying on? Where is your dependence? Because what happens when we, if and when, if there's another lockdown? Or what happens when that, when that sorrow hits? What happens is we need to rely on Jesus. And I'm concerned that I know I wasn't. I was relying on my own ability. And this is something we say all the time in church. And so I don't want it to come off as just whatever easy. Like, this is so important you hear this. We're reliant on, if you're, we are all reliant on something, whether you know it or not. If you're a Christian, man, I hope it's Jesus. 
What would it look like as a church if we just took this on more? And if you're not a believer, I wanna, I wanna encourage you right now wherever you are, make Jesus the thing you depend on. Man, there are just seasons that we can't go without him. Can I encourage you right now? I'm asking you right now to pray the prayer, to say it with me, to say, Jesus, I just wanna rely on you. I'm tired of filling my emotional needs with other things, with materials, with food, whatever it is. I wanna rely on you and you alone. I don't wanna be dependent on my own strength because it hasn't worked for me this far. I wanna try you, Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. You're not restricted, you're actually freed. There's a number that's popping up on the screen right now. It says text LIFE to this number and it's a way to start a conversation with you. If you've said, Jesus, I wanna rely on you right now. Jesus, I wanna depend on you right now. Jesus, be my savior. I've done enough in my own strength. I've done enough of my own sin. I need a savior. And if you're a Christian, I wanna encourage you, maybe try this. Talk to a pastor or a friend who's tried it. Ask questions about it. I'm, I'm really just sharing my story. But if I could give you a, a thought this week or, or even homework, what would it be look, look like if we all took a little more time to depend on Jesus? Take a step, start easy, start with one meal a week. Start with a group of friends, do it together, put it into practice and let God use what I believe is the smallest kind of secret story in my life to maybe change your life. Because stories have power and, and, and this has continued to be a part of mine. And I'll say this as I close, last thought. You're not missing out when you fast. You're feasting on the greatest thing you could feast on, and that's the Spirit. Jesus, right now I just pray that we would be people who are more reliant on you, who are more dependent on you. Christ, I ask that you would truly just take over the hearts of every person watching. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd be with us if we decide to take some steps or, or ask someone about this. God, move in our hearts and specifically move in those people who are saying, I'm tired of relying on my own strength. I wanna make it all about you, God. God, we thank you for your work on the cross that saves us. It's not by our works. It's not by our ability to fast or to read or to pray. It's in your strength alone. It's in Christ alone. So Lord, we love you. We're encouraged by you. We give it all to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, church.